0: certainly do appreciate that kind and humble prayer that's gone before and I would ask you to continue to pray for us for the time we'll stand before you. Amen. I have one thing I've been chewing on stuff all week and uh, I, you know I don't usually mess with something till it messes with me. <laughs> I try to leave it alone <laughs> and I've had uh, something that has been bothering me. I try not to bother it unless it bothers me but I, I've been thinking along some lines and I thought, well, that'd be where I, that song before last, everything changed. So anyway, y'all be praying that the Lord of blessed is a totally total different route than what I'd anticipated. But anyway, trust it's of the Lord, but certainly be praying. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you know, a lot of times when we think about, I'm going to go to John 6 first. But a lot of times when we think about the work of redemption, when we think about the work of salvation, we think about it from the corporate aspect. And what I mean by that is we think of it from the whole family of God. And a lot of times in Scripture when we look at things, we we always immediately go to the, the whole family. That work of redemption was for the whole family. Everything that the Lord done was for the whole family. But there's also a personal aspect of that that we need to think on that so many times I think we forget. Because we think of things so much so from the corporate perspective. So... If the Lord would bless us, I want to look at both of those and how they intertwine from the whole and the individual and just pray the Lord bless. Now, there's no doubt I'm amongst a group of people that believe what the Lord has instructed us here in the sixth chapter of John. In the sixth chapter of John, the 35th verse, he says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And I'm going to tell you, when you consider, I think you can get the answer to this question, what he's referencing, if you back up to John 5. Because John 5 and 25... He says, uh, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Then he goes on to say, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, when they that are in the grave shall hear the... Because you don't misunderstand 5 and 25 as a resurrection. That's not the resurrection. Right. That's regeneration. Amen. John 5 and 25 is regeneration when he says the hour is coming, and now is. In other words, it's happening right now. It's going to continue to happen in the future. When the dead, we were talking this past Sunday night, this is an interesting thought, I I got to thinking about this all week too, but I'll just share it with you, you you can chew on it a little while too, to see what it comes, this past week, uh, Sunday night, Brother Tom Griffin was preaching at Antioch, and he was looking at the similarities between our natural life and spiritual life, how that babies need that sweet milk, and we as young Christians need sweet milk, but we also need to grow to the point of eating meat. You know, if you had a child that wasn't eating meat, you would be worried. If you got a three-year-old and they can't eat a chicken nugget, you've got problems. Okay, Paul rebuked the church at Corinth because they couldn't eat chicken nuggets. And that's an oversimplification, but that's exactly what he said. He said, you ought to be eating meat, and you need milk. You need to grow. We need to grow. And he was talking about those, and I thought about an interesting contrast. On the flip side of that, how is it that spiritual life and natural life are different? And he brought forth one example. I forgot what it was as one contrast. But here's the one I thought about. And I, that's probably why I didn't remember the example he used. Because I got to thinking on this. <laughs> it happens to all of us. Especially when you're ADD like me. But anyway. In natural life, life always has to precede death. But in spiritual life... Death always precedes life. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? When you start thinking about the contrast of that, (laughs) and you who were dead and trespassed, but he's quickened you, he's made you alive, he's brought you to alive in Christ. That's amazing how that works. But on the natural side of it, it's the opposite way. Mm -hmm. When you consider this, he says, I'm the bread of life. And he that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Man, Brother Mark says, as cool waters to a thirsty soul. He's right. As thirst the heart for water brook, so thirsts my soul, O Lord, for thee. Do we get yeah. thirsty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's an aspect of this that you'll never thirst. There's aspects of this that you'll never hunger. Right. What, what is that aspect? <laughs> it's from the aspect that the very spirit of Jesus Christ dwells in his children. Amen. That's why he's over there in 1 John. When you start looking at that, he says, He who says without sin is a liar. <laughs> the truth's not any. him. But then he says, there's a part of us that cannot sin. Mm-hmm. How in the world can we not sin and say that we, we're a liar if we say we don't have sin? I'm going to tell you that the very spirit of God that dwells within us, cannot sin cannot transgress will never let us down and we'll never let god down and look at what christ is saying right here he goes on he says but i said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not all that the father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me i will no wise cast out then he says for i came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me and this is the father's will which has sent me that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Take this same text and go to the 17th chapter of John. In the 17th chapter of John, if you want to see the Lord's Prayer, there's where it's recorded in the 17th chapter of John. Right. The Lord is praying right here. He says, I thank thee, Father that thou hast given me power over all flesh that i should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given me i'm gonna tell you if you were doing a word problem in school when you come to the phrase as many as you know what you put right there an equal to sound if you were doing a word problem in mathematics class and you come to the phrase as many as, there's an equal sign that goes right there. So whatever's on this side of that statement has to be equal to what's on this side of that statement. Otherwise, you couldn't say as many as. Now, what's as many as? He said, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast given me power over all flesh, that I should give eternal life. I'm going to tell you who's going to have eternal life. To as many as thou hast given me. Now, here we have a statement that all that the Father has given unto him is going to have eternal life. That is a statement of fact. They're going to have it. You can't take this and misunderstand that. Y'all got me? Make this understand with that. I'm gonna tell you that in our life, from a natural perspective, I'm sometimes like that old brother, he had a son who had that old devil in him. He was deaf and dumb, and this old demon that was in devil was in that young child and cast him into the sea and cast him into the fire, and the daddy was just at wit's end, and the apostles, they couldn't figure out what to do. They had no idea. They couldn't do anything. They finally come to the Lord, and the Lord says, Man, these these, it takes much fasting and prayer to deal with this particular issue. But then the Lord cast that devil out of that young lad. But this is what he said to the daddy before he done it. He said, if thou believest. And you know what that man said? Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. You know, we live in a perpetual state of that. Amen. Amen. A perpetual state. There's days, brethren, that I feel like I could face the biggest foe and, and be prepared to stand against whatever enemy there might be out there internally and externally. there's times i feel like you could knock me over with a feather why does that happen to us (laughs) because lord i believe helped out my unbelief but i will tell you this from time to time we may falter you know we could get ourselves scripturally thinking speaking into such a state that we could forget that we were once purged from our own sins. Right. Man, that's a sad state of affairs to be in. Amen. You know, if we forget we were purged from our own sins, you know where all those sins went from? They went from being on him to being on us. Mm-hmm. And I am gonna tell you, when they wind up on us, I'll tell you the only logical conclusion is that we deserve to be separated from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. That's the only logical conclusion. Right. There is no other answer when we feel like we have to bear that sin debt because we cannot bear that sin debt. And so many times we can get ourselves in that situation where we forget some things that we most surely knew. Here he says, He's given every single one of them eternal life. He says, I came down from heaven and not doing my own will, but it will in him and me. This is my Father. All which He has given me, I should lose nothing. I'm going to tell you, all that the Father gave Him shall come to Him. And the way they're going to come to Him is in regeneration and in the resurrection. That's what He's talking about as He comes through here. I promise you, they're going to come to Him that way. Now, That don't mean they're all going to come to him in the gospel knowledge. Right. If you take this and try to say they're all going to come in the gospel knowledge, then you've got a serious problem. Because if you go to Romans 11, about verse 24, it's a left-hand page, left-hand column down at the bottom of my book. This is what it says. It says, as touching the election, as touching the gospel, this is how it starts off, as touching the gospel, their enemies, for your sakes, but as touching the election, their beloved, for the Father's sakes. Amen. That shows me a group of individuals who are enemies according to the gospel, yet God loves them. Right. You know why? His love is not dependent upon your actions. Amen. Matter of fact, your actions, we were yet enemies when God loved us. Amen. We were enemies. We hadn't done anything to deserve the least of God's love. You know what's good about that? If I didn't do anything to deserve it, I can't do anything to lose it. <laughs> that's good news. Because we didn't attain it to it. He put it upon us. And that's why we spend our whole life trying to comprehend with all saints. What is the height, the breadth, the depth of God's love? Because it's incomprehensible while we live in these frail bodies. Amen. How someone can love us with such a perfect love and we don't even understand just how perfect that love is because we're imperfect creatures. He said all of them's going to be with you. Every single one. Now, when you go to John 10, and this is where we hit our curveball here, but anyway. John 10, verse 7. From this perspective, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Alright? I want you to understand these are two lives under consideration right here. Right. He came not only to secure life for us but that we might have it more abundantly. Alright? Here's, here's the thing I'd liken it unto. If you go back and you see the children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt when they're delivered out of this bondage God, with a mighty hand, delivers them from a superpower on the face of the planet. They were the USA back then, okay? Egypt was the baddest man in the land, and they put walkknots on everybody's head. These little Israelites, without a weapon, without a horse, without any kind of armor, are delivered out of the hands of the mightiest force on the face of the planet at that time. (laughs) And just to prove to them just how it was, he takes them here to the Red Sea, and on this side's a mountain, and on that side's a mountain, and in front of them's a sea, and they are in what you would call a box camp. They're hemmed up. They said, oh, this is great, Moses. This is good. You brought us out here. Couldn't we have died back home? (laughs) Did we have to walk this far to die? And God's going to show up a great deliverance on this day. Amen. And Moses is going to extend that staff over the Red Sea. The Red Sea is going to be divided. They're going to cross over on dry shot. And God is going to serve as a buffer by being a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And it's going to remain between them and their enemy the entire way across this valley of death. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. They began to drive so hard that they were closing the gap. So God just knocked the wheels off the chariots. That's amazing, isn't it? Just, just, they drove so hard. Just the wheels come off. You know, I heard it. archaeologists just found uh, wagon wheels in the middle of the Red right. Sea. They said, somebody must have brought them out here and dropped them. I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I got a pretty good idea where they came from. Yeah, come off the chariots as they were driving across there. And when they get to the other side, God says... Tells Moses, tell the Israelites to turn around and stand still very few times in Scripture. I mean, you contemplate this. When you go over there and you look at that armor, we've got a helmet of salvation, we have a shield of faith, we have the sword of the Spirit, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel, loins girt about with truth, and a breastplate of righteousness. There's a difference between a breastplate and a coat of arms, folks. You see, a coat of arms protects your old front and back. But a breastplate... Y'all have probably seen it. You've seen like a, some of them Roman movies. Them guys come out there and they got that metal that sits on the front. It's got two leather straps goes around the back. There's no safety, no protection with a breastplate if you turn the tail to run. We're called to go forward. Amen. Never will you ever see very few times. This is one time in particular I see the Lord says, stand still and turn around. Matter of fact, most of the time he tells us, don't do like a dog, right? Don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't return to your. Keep moving forward, pressing forward in the kingdom. It says, we press into the kingdom, right? We press. You You can't press backwards. You got to press forwards. You can't press like that. I don't know if you've ever tried to do a bench press on your back. It ain't going to (laughs) work. You got to press forwards. You press into this kingdom. But on this day, he says, you turn around, stand still, and look upon the salvation, of the Lord, this day. That's a salvation right there that took place right then that day. And the Lord even clarified just so we understood exactly what he meant. He didn't mean he delivered them all the way to glory, he meant he delivered them from the enemy at this very moment to the other side of the Red Sea. And he said, This enemy is pursued after you. They'll never pursue you again. You know why? Because they were consumed. That which was a deliverance to Israel was a death sentence to Egypt. Amen. I'm going to tell you the fact that the law was fulfilled to a jot, to a tittle, on our half is life unto us. And the fact that it wasn't for they that are not his is a death sentence unto them. Same difference. But they get over here. And there's a land over here that you can go in and you can have it. And this land flows with milk and honey. And there's houses that you didn't build, and there's wells that you didn't dig, and there's vineyards that you didn't. All you got to go in is, is kind of like when he called him off the boat. He says, Come and die, man. It's all ready. Everything's prepared. Amen. That's a beautiful picture of the church, isn't it? <laughs> He's prepared. All you got to do is come and die. Amen. Don't be bringing no takeout in here. <laughs> right? I mean, he don't need nothing else. He's got it. Come and die. He set it up for you. It's got houses. It's got wells. It's got vineyard. has got everything you need. It's got milk and honey. You know, I, I didn't know this, but apparently there's enough nutrients in milk and honey that you can live off that off your whole life. I was like, wow. And you know, honey was the most amazing thing. Anyway, I don't know. When them bees cap that honey, that stuff is preserved in that comb. And they actually found honey that was over hundreds of years old. And when they busted that cap off there, the honey was still good amazing how god works it had i never seen heard it i mean it was a crazy thing that i read about like but milk and honey now milk go bad I'm just, I'm sure. it just becomes buttermilk and i kind of like buttermilk but anyway uh it was land flows of milk and honey it's got all this good stuff in it but you know what they begin to look around and they said mm, no 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 i mean i know i mean think about this let's talk about it from a logical perspective I know we've just been delivered from the biggest superpower on the face of the planet, but you know, there was a couple hundred people over there I was really scared of, they were giants. Mm -hmm. You ever thought about it from that perspective? You've been delivered from the person who whooped everybody on the block, and now this little bully over here you're scared of. That's plain terms now. This guy has whooped everybody on the playground, and you whipped him, God delivered you a great victory, and now his little buddy, who's playing second chair to that guy, all of a sudden, well, we got to turn tail and run. Well, you know what happens because they failed to enter into the promise of God? They spend 40 years out there wandering around in the wilderness. 40 years. Matter of fact, everybody from Joshua and Caleb's age and up died out there in that wilderness, and they never entered into Canaan's land. Oh, they didn't enter in because of unbelief. They didn't believe God's promise. Did that make them not the children of Israel? No, they were all delivered through the Red Sea, brethren. But see, not all of them got to enter into Canaan's land. Amen. Now, if you make Canaan's land totally just only heaven, then you got a serious problem because guess who else didn't get to cross over into there? Moses. <laughs> Moses didn't get to enter into Canaan's land, but he got to see it from afar off. Right. Amen. All right? I want you to know, that there's an abundance of life for the child of God. But where it's found is in Canaan's land. It ain't found in the wilderness. What happens in the wilderness is, you starve to death. Now, can God still bless you in the wilderness? Clearly he can. Them folks is out there belly aching because they didn't have any meat and God rained quail down in the camp, so I couldn't imagine dressing all the quail they had to dress. That's a lot of plucking going on. (laughs) Trying to dress all those quail that rained into the camp. Yeah, he took care of them. But I'm gonna tell you, it ain't like what's in Canaan's land. You see, it flows with milk and honey. The Lord said he came not only to have life, but they might have it more abundantly. There's an abundance of life for God's people here. Amen. If you're willing and obedient, the Bible says you shall eat of what? The good of the land. Willing and obedient. We need to be willing and obedient. There's a rest for God's people right now that we can enter into. And we find that in Canaan's land. We find it here. But he says he's the door of these sheep. Now, I want you to know, I'm going to press forward now. He is the good shepherd. Now, he's not only the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He is the shepherd and bishop of our souls. He is, I mean, you could go that route. But the fact is, I want you to understand, he is the door of the sheep. All right. You know what a shepherd does? I had a guy that worked with me, and he had a different belief than what I had. He had all kinds of animals. And I was picking at him one day. He had to leave work. He said, I I gotta go. We got a bunch of, uh, the cows are out. He had miniature cows, miniature horses, goats, sheep, a couple other things, I don't know. He had some exotic stuff out there. I gotta go in. When he got back to the office, it was cold, it was December. I came in, I got a cup of coffee, I said, I said, well, buddy, I don't know why you don't just get rid of all them animals you have and just get you some sheep. And he said, why would I I do that? I said, well, because you wouldn't have to worry about sheep getting out. What do you mean I wouldn't have to worry about the sheep getting out? I said, well, ain't that what you believe? What do you mean that's what I believe? I said you mean the shepherd has to keep his sheep the sheep don't keep his shepherd <laughs> you know sheep will get out just like anything else mm-hmm. and they'll wander off and they'll get out there in the briar patches and the brambles of this old world mm-hmm. but i'm gonna tell you there's a good shepherd and he is the keeper of the sheep Amen. and i want you to know that he's such a good shepherd that he won't lose a single woman. Amen. It don't matter what situations they find themselves in, aren't you thankful this good shepherd goes to where they are and he gathers them up, he picks them up, he carries them back home. Amen. I'm telling you, that's good news for me because I found myself in the prayer practice before. Amen. I found myself in a box canyon and there's cowdies all revving. and I thought I was going to die. And there's a shepherd came by and he ran off the enemy and carried me back to the flock. Ain't that good news? I've been there, folks. Amen. You have to, if you're honest with yourself. I know we all know. He's the good shepherd. Amen. It doesn't matter what the enemy is. But this good shepherd's also the door. Now I want you to think about this shepherd. This shepherd, I love it over in 18th chapter Matthew. The 18th chapter Matthew, they're talking about, they're having this great discussion as they walk on the road, who's the greatest? You look over in Mark, and the Lord just told him. I'm fixed to be delivered to the hands of wicked men, and I'm going to die. And then three days later, I'm going to raise this body up again. And as soon as he said that, next thing you know, they're talking about who the greatest is. That's weird, ain't it? You know what's amazing, though? If you look in Matthew at this account, they pose this question. He said, what was y'all arguing about? I'm paraphrasing, but he said, what were y'all disputing on the road? I can only imagine Well. We were talking about who the greatest. Yes. I wouldn't want to come out and say that. But that's exactly what they were talking about. You know what the Lord did? He took a little child and he brought him in and set that child in his lap. He said, You'll be the greatest. you got to be like one of these little children. Mm, amen. Man. You know, he's teaching them a lesson about that. Right. He who's the least to be the greatest. He's Lord of lords and King of kings. Thought it not Robert to be equal with God. But he came down to this low ground and this low estate and took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh. For what purpose? Mm -hmm. To seek and save that which was lost. I tell you, he's a good shepherd. To fight every enemy that you ever have had or ever will have. (laughs) Isn't that a glorious thing? That's why it's in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, and when the last enemy, death, is destroyed. You know what? I understand what last means. There ain't no more after that. <laughs> when, enemies, when our last enemy is destroyed, we're going home. Amen. We're going home. And I'm going to tell you when we get home, there's not going to be anything that would cause any harm to any sheep because all enemies have been destroyed. Because we're going home when the last enemy, death, has been destroyed. But how's this happening? This good shepherd. This good shepherd has destroyed them all. He goes on and in that same 18th chapter of Matthew, you keep reading. You know what he shows them? He teaches them a parable. And this is what he says about what the greatest is. Okay? In the 18th chapter of Matthew, he goes on and he says, if you had a hundred sheep in a fold and you come and you found ninety-nine safe and one was missing. He said, who monkey you wouldn't leave the 99 and go find the one and bring him back? You know what he's teaching us? Every single one of them is important. You know why? It takes the same grace, the same mercy, and the same sacrifice for each and every one of us. It wasn't a Black Friday sale, folks. It wasn't buy one get one free. It wasn't pay for one and get the whole host free. He paid for every single individual. That's amazing. Now, corporately, yes, he redeemed us all. How is he this door? I want you to think about this. Isaiah 46. In Isaiah 46, he said, I've carried you. This concept of carrying is set forth in Isaiah 46. He said, I've carried you from your youth, even until hoary hairs are upon your head. He still carries you. That word carry, like a mother carries. She's with child, carries And then I think about this. How has he carried us? I want you to know something, brethren. He carries us because we were in Christ. And according to Ephesians 1, we were placed in Christ when? Before the foundation of the world. Isn't that a glorious thing? I'm going to tell you, he was carrying us, brethren. All through all of this time, he carried us even as he hung suspended there between heaven and earth. According to Psalm 22, he hung suspended between heaven and earth there. And we see that account of what takes place. And he says, I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. You know what he's thinking about? He's thinking about his wrath. That's why Adam said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And then right. God said, because Adam didn't have a mom our day. God said for this cause the man leave father and mother cleave to his wife and they two shall be one. But Adam did say bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Right. I'm going to tell you what was on his mind was his bride when he hung there. You know yeah. why? Because he's carried you with him from before the foundation of the world. Mm. Yeah. Even to hoary hairs or pull your head until he carries you home. He said, I will deliver. <laughs> Is he going to fail? No, he said he wasn't. He promised he would time and time again, but he's the door. All right, what do you do with things that are important to you? you got to put them somewhere safe, don't you? I mean, just don't leave them out in the open. If you leave them out in the open, it's like the other day I was leaving, my pitchfork was sitting out by the mailbox close to the road because I was piling leaves up. My wife said, your pitchfork's sitting there. You know, I'll be honest with you. It had been alright for me if somebody stole that thing if they wanted to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick and tired of using it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I didn't figure nobody would to steal nothing to work with, so I figured it'd be alright. But sister Jessica was really worried about that pieceboard staying there because she kinda likes it when I get the leaves up and out of the way. So so she said, Well you better lay that thing down so somebody doesn't see it. You know, so she said she said, I'm gonna go hide it in the bushes. I said, I ain't getting it, I hope somebody does see it. <laughs> so she went and got it moving. She didn't take it all the way to the shop, but she laid it down in the bushes over it so nobody'd see it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you don't put something that's important out there by the street or out where anybody you got a safe place to keep it, right? Now the children of Israel, they had a safe place to keep some things, because that's happened after man, it would move, and it would move, and it would move, and it would move. I'm gonna tell you, we have moved a ton of times in my life, and I always break something good. I don't know about y'all, I don't know how many times you've moved, I've moved way too much, and I've lost too many things. I, I lost a, a tea set, Sister Jessica got her grandma when she was a little girl, and I crushed the whole thing. It was surely an accident, but it happens. It wasn't in something safe, it was in a cardboard box, and, the thing I had dropped, and it happened to be under the bottom of it, and whoosh, whoosh, no more tea set So if it's something safe, you want to keep it safe, you need to put it in a safe place. The children of Israel had some things they kept in a safe place. They had the Ark of the Covenant, and the things that was most precious to them was in the Ark of that Covenant. It was an Ark. It's where you put something to keep it safe. In the Ark of the Covenant, there was multiple things, but one of those things... It was the the tables of stone that were given to Moses that had the law on it. It was in the Ark of that covenant. Now we know what that law does for us. It's a schoolmaster. Mm -hmm. And it shows us that we deserve to die. But I'm going to tell you, when that law is in Christ Jesus, (laughs) and that's where it's placed, he he took the handwriting of ordinance that was contrary to us, out of the way, Nailing it to His cross. Amen. When it's in that ark, it becomes a very beautiful thing, brother. Amen. When it's in that ark, you see, in this ark of the covenant, there was something else that was in this ark of the covenant. There was Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod. I want you to understand. This shows us this beautiful picture of how spiritual life works. You know, walking sticks don't do real good if they're green. I don't know if y'all have ever tried to make walking sticks. You can make a walk stick pretty easy out of a rattan vine, because rattan vine in the spring of the year is very pliable. If you had to have water, you could get it out of a rattan vine. Just make sure it's a rattan vine and not a poison ivy vine. <laughs> that's a bad mistake. But make sure it's a rattan vine and rattan vine is very pliable. Y'all seen y'all seen this furniture they make out of vines, or like uh, you can make reeds out of that's most of the time if it's not a muscadine, that's a rattan vine. You can make walking sticks out of a rattan vine. You cut a piece of rattan, but you know, when rattan vine's green, if you push on it, it'll just fold up. It wouldn't do much to hold you up. It, it would not give you much support. So what you do is you shape it. You bend over the end of it, and you hang it up, and you let it dry, and the wood cures, and it becomes stiff for a walking stick. You see, a green walking stick won't do you no good, because when you put pressure on it, just fold up. It's got to be cured. Aaron's rod was a walking stick, and I want you to understand, it was verily dead. There was no life in it. It was a cured walking stick. It was dead. And that which was dead budded. Life came out of something that was dead. And not only did it bud, it brought forth fruit. Man. Not only was it taken from death to alive, but it was made fruitful. I'm going to tell you in that you see that you and I were taken from dead. Because that's in spirituality that you got it. Death precedes life. We were moved from dead to alive. And not only are you are alive, but brethren, I'm going to tell you, God has blessed us that we can be found fruitful in his kingdom. We can bear fruit. There's another thing that was in that ark. And the other thing that was in that ark was a bowl of manna now i want you to know manna you talking about shelf life that stuff had a short shelf life <laughs> one day at best too <clears throat> thank you lord for your daily bread Amen. uh-huh daily you learn just how dependent we are every day every day every day Amen. except for the day before the sabbath then you get two Two days worth then. If you get greedy, you think you're gonna have three when you get up on uh, Sunday morning, because the Sabbath is on Saturday, by the way. You get up on Sunday morning, the stuff you had left over, it is now bad. Mm -hmm. That's how that works. But in the ark, there was a bowl that had manna in it and it was still there and it had not gone bad. Mm Amen. You know what that shows me? Preservation. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, brethren, that Jesus Christ is like that ark. We are preserved in Jesus Christ. The law is fulfilled on our behalf, and though we were dead, we're now made alive, and not only are we alive, we can be fruitful in this earth. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Well, you said he was a door preacher, all right, there's another ark. You gotta back on it a little bit. And you get back into Genesis, and you're gonna find another ark. This ark right here is a beautiful picture to me. Now, I went to see that ark this summer just to take a look at it. If I saw it once, that's probably enough. <clears throat> you can go see it. It's pretty cool, but they took some liberties in that thing. But it's pretty cool to see just how big it was. I think they used a 20-inch cubit as opposed to an 18, but nonetheless, it was massive. And I got to see it. This whole amazing structure. You go back and you think about that ark, what took place over there. In Genesis, of the seventh chapter, the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For every clean beast thou shalt take thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two. A male and his female. Of files also the air, sevens. Of male and female to keep alive upon the face of all the earth. Yet for seven days, and I will cause it to rain. Yet for yet seven days, and I'll cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts and of the beasts that are not clean and, and of the fowls and everything that creep upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah and it came to pass, after seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of the heaven were opened and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights, in the self day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind every bird of every sort and they went in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life and they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in I'm going to tell you, this is amazing right here. You know how they went into the ark? There was one door in the ark. You couldn't climb up to the top because it was pitched within and without. There was one little window that they let the, the first the raven out of and then the dove. Then the, uh, but, but you wouldn't even go out the top. But there was a ginormous door in the side of it. Now I don't know what y'all know about boats. But I think that would probably be a problem. A door in the side of a boat. And you're in the storm and there's water crashing over the... I mean, can you imagine when the... Y'all know what a tsunami does. The fountains of the deep are... This is not just a cool little ride out in the lake. This is a serious storm that's happening. You know why that door didn't leak? Because God shut it. Amen. <laughs> you know what? He put everything he wanted on the inside of the ark. As God commanded, it went inside the ark, and God shut him in. Amen. And everything else he kept on the outside of the ark. And you know, there's not a single person say, well, good night, Brother Luke. That's, that's just, do you know how many millions of people on the face of the planet at that time? There was a bunch. You know who <laughs> went in the ark? Noah and his family. You know why? Because that's what God commanded. Do you find unrighteousness with God? God forbid. The question is, why would he have mercy on Noah and his family? But he did. I got news for you, brethren. He's the door of the sheep. He's the door of the ark. (laughs) And everything that God put in the ark, I got news for you. It's secured from every enemy we'll ever face. Amen. And the good news is. This door ain't going to leak. <laughs> and there ain't nobody going to open it. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? Amen. You see we've been placed in Christ. And Christ you go back over to John 10. He's in the father's hand. He said no man. Not even the devil can pluck them out of my father's hand. I'm going to tell you brethren, There's no secure place to be. <coughs> than in the ark of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I'll promise you that we have been there since before the foundation of time. In the 17th chapter of John, we'll go back over there and grab this text. In the 17th chapter of John, right toward the end of this chapter, it's over here and up yonder in mine, but anyways, I forget the number. He says, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast loved me, as thou hast loved me. But if you keep reading, he says, for thou hast loved me, from before the, before the foundation of the world. <laughs> you know when God set his affection on you as an individual? Because he says, a lot of times, he says, thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. But you know how he loved the, 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 the son? <laughs> this is my beloved son. This is my only begotten. Good night, man. You realize God loves us? Now you go back to the 18th chapter of Matthew. What did the Lord tell him? <laughs> You know who's important? The whole family, mm-hmm. all hundred of them. And if one of them winds up out there in the briar patch, you know what that shepherd's gonna do? He's gonna leave them down in nine right there and he's gonna go find that one that's out there in the briar patch and he's gonna bring it back. You know why? He paid for all of them. Amen. And it cost him the same thing for each and every one of them. He poured his life out. He drank the dregs of the cup. Amen. Now it's one thing to understand that corporately you know but it's an altogether different thing when we begin to understand that the way we ought paul says it this way when he's talking to the church at galatia in the 19th verse of the second chapter of galatians he says for i through the law am dead to the law that i might live unto god I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Look at what he says who loved me. And gave himself for me. <laughs> Amen. When we begin to view it that way. Then when we think about this redemptive work that's taking place. Because a lot of times we get like Saul don't we? Samuel goes to Saul said, go over and destroy them Amalekites. Don't bring nothing back. They come back. And they got the choice animals and they got old King Agag because at this time David's getting a little little bit of people are talking about how great David is and Saul's going to bring Agag back. Oh, Saul's killed his thousands, but David, thousands of thousands, tens of thousands, you know. So he's going to bring this back. All this is weighing on him. And the Lord tells Samuel, so go ask Saul why he didn't do what I told him to do. Samuel goes and asks Saul. Why do you do what the Lord told you? Oh, I did everything the Lord told me to do. You know, he says, Samuel says, what meaneth the lowing of the cattle and the bleeding of the sheep? <laughs> you know what he said? Oh, the people. They done this. The people did. A lot of times when we think about the Lord and everything he endured, the fact that Lord of lords and king of kings came down to the slow ground of sin and sorrow, took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh didn't have a single place to lay his head. Mm-hmm. He came poor so that you and I would be made rich. Amen. When he endured all that he endured and the suffering that he endured on the cross, praise God, we will never understand or comprehend. Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Because the full wrath of God was poured out to the fullest degree. Amen. It had to be. Because that's the consequence of sin. Amen and a lot of times when we think about that we think about it from the corporate aspect and we say oh them people crucified him and he died for everybody's sins but paul said he loved me and he gave himself for me and in his kingdom when i understand that my sins are the ones that put him there that my transgressions are there and the reason he endured those things is because he loved me as an individual. Because guess how he calls you? <laughs> he said over in uh, Isaiah 43, he says, I've called thee by name. By thy name. I'm going to tell you how he calls you. He calls you by your name. According to John 5 and 25, the hour is coming now is when this, you hear the voice of the Son of God. You know, they here. He calls them by name. You know why? Because he knows their name. And they're written in a book that was sealed before the foundation of the world. He's carrying you from then to now. And I'm persuaded he'll continue to carry you. So while we live here, may we live as one that shows this life of Christ that dwells within us. Amen. Amen. Understanding, yes, he loved the whole family. But man, when I really think on the fact that he loved me mm. and he gave himself for me, Amen. it changes just what those things mean at that point in time. Amen. Because that's my Lord, the author and finisher of my faith. He is my deliverer. He's my prophet. He's my priest and he's my king. And if he's yours, I'm going to tell you, brethren, may it ever change our lives, and may we live in a way that honors him with everything that we do. Amen. And may we praise him while we have breath, and when the doors are open on a Wednesday night in the middle of the winter when it gets dark at 5 o'clock, I bring it to the choir. (laughs) We come out and worship his great matchless name. You know why? Because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Because he just didn't do it for me. He done it for the whole family. He's the door. They're all in there. God closed it. And praise God he's gonna open it one day on a shore on the other side of Jordan when we see him as he is with our eyes and not another. Until then, may we know however bad it may get, whatever things may go. He said, Let us go to the other side. Amen. There's not a storm big enough to stop that. May the Lord bless you our prayer.